everybody and happy happy Wednesday to all of you all of you and all of you hearing myself not hearing myself very well there we go there we go yeah we're having uh, some having some Technical difficulties on the video side. We're having trouble in the video room, y'all. Don't know what it is. It's it's kind of weird. I I notice it on on my computer and and uh, Matt, the, the one we normally operate the Facebook page out of. I can't really. We can't get the Facebook live to go to give us the camera. We can't give us to give to give us the ability to go live on the camera which is uh something kind of odd and uh new. I don't know what I don't know what it is or or what the the deal is but we can't do the we can't do Facebook and and I don't know why. I I've got my camera going I guess you could you could you could use a phone but other than that I mean uh but I I don't have a I don't have the ability to do the uh to do the Facebook live uh, on the computer, and is it just it, it's some kind of operating system thing, right? It's like a, in terms of browser issue or Facebook, maybe 
they did an update to their tour of their website for the live session. And oh. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah. So what what Matt's saying is they might have done like an update to some of the, one of their operating systems of or or something, and then it didn't it didn't wind up taking. So uh, that's really kind of weird because it doesn't have a uh, it doesn't have a it, it's kind of, kind of, it's just weird. It's, we've never had it, had that problem before. So now we're kind of uh, just on the app, and and that's fine too because that's where most of the people actually listen to the show. Uh, we, you know, uh, then yeah, it's uh, I I guess that's just the way it is. But uh, anyway, it's weird because oftentimes you might think that the Facebook page is where we have all of our uh, we have the most interaction of any radio show in town on Facebook, but for some reason this thing isn't. Uh, Necessarily catching, but most of the people do listen uh, where you are listening now, which is uh, on the app. But I do miss the Facebook part of it because, and a lot of you do too, because you do uh, kind of uh, enjoy, you know, watching the show on Facebook. So we're just going to have to figure it out today, and then come back and 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 work it all out when we get it when we get a chance and we figure out what Facebook is up to. Because it sounds like it's it sounds like it's something Facebook is doing. It sounds like they're they're making life difficult for people. I don't know why they've chosen to do it that way, but that's what they're up to, and that's the the lot we live in. So I'm, I'm going to begin the show like I ended it yesterday because some of you didn't uh, weren't able to tune in and weren't maybe able to hear me talk about this yesterday. But this Serena Williams thing, the, the freak out over the cover of GQ magazine is really just so bizarre, so weird, and, and, and so typical of what goes on in our current society, in our world, in our world uh, with Twitter and beyond. And it's a great example of how, even though people are just absolutely dead wrong about something, it still takes three days for it to finally simmer down and for people to realize that the, it, it isn't what it is. And, and we've had this situation before, uh, and, and I'll, I'll bring up my example, for instance. And, you know, once people determined the big lie that Jamie Allman threatened David Hogg, there was really no ability to turn back once they picked up on this uh, idea somehow that it was a it was their issue. They They, they, they didn't care one way or the other a wit about whether or not something was true they just went for it anyway and and that's the world we live in now but that is the the society we live in now where everything is put to a point of denial it's 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 in a point of a charge is levied and then it's up to the person who has been charged to just deny it otherwise it's true and that's the world we're living in now it's it's terrifying to tell you the truth and it's it's what has happened with the onslaught of the social media driven outrage uh that goes on out there and any kind of mob now has a lot of power and 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 mainly it has a lot of power uh with people who otherwise don't have the kind of uh intestinal fortitude, the guts to kind of withstand it and put up with it. And so 
you know, for instance, in my case, 97.1 just didn't have an intercom, just did not have the guts to, to, to put up with something and instead panicked and didn't realize that they were basically reacting to what was clearly a lie uh, that wasn't even intended the way people are claiming it was intended. And so the way it was positioned was by people who were otherwise wanting to do damage to the to the show and to me. And so they were able to get away with it by just simply creating a lie and then letting that lie live within one particular community, and that is the community of the outraged, crazy left. And then my station didn't even pay attention to the people who actually listened to me and support me. It didn't pay attention to people who were actually, you know, part of uh, part of the core that made 97.1 what it is and, and, and didn't pay attention to any of that and didn't care. So the situation with Serena Williams is an interesting one. If, if you don't know by now, the outrage occurred. Oh, we're back on. Now we're back on. Awesome, bro. All right. Good job. Thank you. Thanks for doing it. So we're back up on Facebook now. And uh, and, and and thank you all for uh, for your patience uh, in, in, in dealing with this thing uh, as it is. But uh, anyway, back to back to the situation at hand. So anyway, I, I'm comparing this to my situation. I know you we've talked a lot about intercom and 971 I, I realize you know you guys have been exhausted talking about it but but this thing that happened with GQ magazine is a pretty good example of how that whole freakout meter that whole situation can get out of hand and we could get into a situation where the mob is able to rule by utilizing social media as its mob tool and and, and people who lie and people who who want to do damage to people can utilize the social media as their personal mob mobile. And that's what, that's what Twitter is. And, and you saw it happen with Brett Kavanaugh. It was like, you know, charges were made and then it was up to Brett Kavanaugh to deny these terrible, serious charges and, Nobody even bothered to check on the veracity of it or just kind of check on whether or not it's true that this is a this is a situation. So, for instance, people could say, well, he yeah, he led a gang rape uh, conspiracy and people are going, well, wait a minute. Is that true? But instead, it was up to him to deny it. There wasn't anybody out there of any kind of uh, responsibility trying to work on the facts before it became a thing. And it was it was the same thing with me. It's like, uh, wait a minute, did he really threaten David Hogg? Or what is this? This isn't really a threat. And if they looked at it, if anybody looked at it, and anybody were allowed to explain it, then it then it wouldn't have been a uh it wouldn't have been a a, a perceived as a threat. And then I also had a lot of people, unfortunately, who were uh, who were the advertisers. It wasn't only Entercom. It was three people who didn't have any balls either. Uh, well, you know, it was, like Palm Health didn't actually want to get out of there. They 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 didn't even they weren't even wanting to get involved in the whole thing. 
Uh, but Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, you know, they 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 were they didn't have any guts. Uh, uh, for a place that serves steak, they certainly are a bunch of mealy mouth babies about the whole thing. And then the Gelman team, which just responded to phone calls, and as Mark Gelman pointed out, the Jewish community, whatever that meant, I don't know, I still don't know what that meant. But other than that, other advertisers were sticking by me. They were they were they were all supporting me. And so they had the guts. But once people start to just panic, you know, like like some Republicans, for instance, uh, Jeff Flake and others decided they didn't have the stones to fight back on behalf of Brett Kavanaugh either. And so they wound up, you know, in the in the same kind of lot in terms of, uh, you know, just being babies. They were afraid of the mob. Now. This example with GQ magazine is one that is a a good one because the the GQ magazine cover is what is in dispute here, but it, it shouldn't be at all in dispute. It's not even it, it's not even a thing. So, and and, and, I, and far be it from me to defend GQ magazine. I normally I can't you know GQ magazine is just a, a another liberal rag out there. And their contribution to society so far has given us uh, brown shoes with blue suits and uh, cuffed jeans. I mean, that's pretty much, and, and then just a bunch of other uh, blather that we get from the uh, from the from the liberal left. But that's kind of what they're all about. And so far be it from me to sit here and, and defend GQ magazine, but I will because this isn't right. What's going on here? So. They, the entire Twitter universe, including some of Serena's stupid fans, uh, have have gone off the deep end over a headline that was making her the GQ magazine woman of the year. Uh, GQ magazine normally does a man of the year, but what they did was they crossed out the man and put in woman but they put the woman in quotation marks but anybody who is a serena fan should certainly know that serena has a guy who does her logos and her inscriptions and things like that and serena's guy is an artist and he is a guy who puts words in quotation marks that's what he does so you know when when serena williams had a tutu on and it was celebrating i don't know her artist did some logo for her and they had like in quotation marks brand name and nike and this artist puts everything in quotes for some reason and so they put woman in quotes and all of her fans well i think her fans because if if they're real fans they'd know that this is what this guy does but apparently they're not real fans. They're just people who want to be outraged. And so they went off on the whole thing. They went ape over this and claimed that GQ magazine was somehow demeaning Serena Williams. And this, of course, is a typical example. And the left, it's all the left doing this. And 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 they probably think, because they're all a bunch of uh, left-wing crazies, they probably think, that this was a uh, the 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 because she's black or what? I, who knows? 
whatever it is. But woman was putting quotes because that's the artist that did the logo for her, and that's the artist that did the woman thing, the the word, the the, the topo- topography for the cover of GQ magazine. But nonetheless, what happens is it becomes a story. The outrage itself becomes a story. And then it's everybody else's job who has any decency in the world. It's everybody else's job to try to put everything in perspective and tell the truth about what's going on. But unfortunately, uh, the cat's already out of the bag, so to speak, the toothpaste out of the tube. And so we've got this cooked up, crazy outrage thing going on. And GQ magazine's the one that has to kind of defend against it. And it's a waste of time. And, you know, it's it's not a situation that, that is real. And yet it's become a situation that, unfortunately, the folks over there have to now deal with and explain. And the explanation is hugely simple. And it's, you know, crazy. But that's the world we live in right now. That's what we're dealing with. And and so here's me defending GQ magazine. All right. Uh, Jimmy Hoff's going to be joining us in just about an hour. And also want to let you know we are live here from the Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios, ddtruckusa.com. Really appreciate uh, Rick Pogue and Jerry and the rest of the team over there. And appreciate the fact that they are supportive and so supportive of Radio Free Almond. Got some latest numbers in recently with Ryan putting them together for some things we're doing for Radio Free Almond 2.0. And he uh, really uh, has been amazed by the outpouring of support for Radio Free Almond. Uh, We, our engagement levels and our listener levels are just huge and uh, much like they were when I was on the radio. And I'm poised to be back on the radio soon, a dial position at that point. Uh, we'll be the kings of all media, as they say. So we'll uh, follow up on that, too, in a little bit. So it's interesting how the the big uh, talk right now is about woman power. Nancy Pelosi did an interview with a uh, woman on uh, a uh, local television station. And this is uh, Fox 61. And she talked about how important it was for her to be the Speaker of the House. Now, keep in mind, and, and I'm going to get to this in just a little bit, and and I think what I'll do is I'll go ahead and play our national anthem and then come back with it, because I don't know whether you've noticed or not, but only certain women are allowed to have power or are given power by the news media and by the left. Only certain women are able to exert certain power that's pretty much it and and you know who the certain women are who are given that luxury and the certain women are who are not given that luxury and you saw it played out yesterday with the treatment of Nancy Pelosi exerting her power and Melania Trump exerting hers and oh the reactions were Far different, as uh, you can well imagine, because the left and the news media doesn't like it when Melania speaks out. 
And yet Nancy Pelosi gets treated like a queen, although I will tell you that some people on the left and uh, Democrats aren't really ready yet to uh, buy into Nancy Pelosi's brand new fantasy of becoming Speaker of the House. So there's a possibility that uh, there's going to be some little bits of uh, shifting here when it comes to uh, when it comes to whether or not she's going to have support. In fact, uh, Ocasio-Cortez has been protesting outside of Nancy Pelosi's office. Uh, and it's, uh, it, it, it's really actually ab- about uh, climate change that they're all getting involved in. But nonetheless, uh, Ocasio-Cortez is making a run now at Nancy Pelosi, and we'll, uh, we will follow up on that as well. So we're back on now. We are on our Facebook page because we had some problems earlier with some uh, some way it was uh, going, and I'm not quite sure why we had that problem, but uh, we're back on. At first, I thought maybe it was Facebook messing with us, but um, they uh, are not. It's just a matter of uh, messing around with it, and Matt got us back on. So we're back on Facebook and, of course, on the stream. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. What would you do with the money if you didn't have to pay your house payment for two months, especially around the holidays? That's right. No house payment for two months. This is James Hawkins at Golden Oak Lending. Don't let money problems spoil your holidays. You can use the increased value of your home to pay off bills or get cash out. Put two months of house payments in your pocket. Visit GoldenOakLending.com or call 314-567-GOLD. NMLS 1149-37-111 West Fort Plaza, St. Louis, Missouri. Call 567-GOLD. Welcome to Radio Free Almond. We are live here from the Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios. DDTruckUSA.com. 
go for it with all your fleets and all your truck needs, your builders, your haulers, you name it. Discovery Design is there for you at all levels, ladies and gents. So yesterday, local politics, as you heard here first, actually, I think. Pretty sure you did. That Eric Schmidt would be appointed the brand new Attorney General of the State of Missouri, Treasurer Eric Schmidt. And so there you go. There you have it. There you are. He's the brand new Attorney General and positions him fairly nicely in the event that Governor Parson doesn't run again to run for governor. So we might see something like that uh, down the line from Eric Schmidt, but we'll see. That's if uh, Governor Parson doesn't want to run again. Uh, the Treasury, the, the, the Missouri Treasurer job has not been filled, to my knowledge, uh, and, and will be. Interestingly enough, yesterday there were rumors flying around, and I've, I have it uh, confirmed that it's actually not true, but there were rumors flying around that Brenda Talent might be a uh, person who might be in the in the running for the job of of treasure to fill the shoes of Eric Schmidt. But Brenda is telling me she is uh, not going to be doing that. <laughs> she is the executive director of the Show Me Institute, as you know, and of course, uh, Jim Talent's wife. But she is uh, not, she says it's all fake news, this talk that I'm going to be the brand new treasure. Actually, it wouldn't be half half of a bad idea to have her in there. I mean, the, the treasure does a, I don't know. It, it's kind of, it, you know, Eric Schmidt did a good job as treasurer and, of course, uh, you know, talked about certain levels of investments and about the, and, and, and worked on a few things with Missouri Most and the school issue and all that. Uh, so, it's not exactly beyond the realm of comprehension that that'd be a perfect fit for someone who is a fiscal hawk like Brenda Talent is. But not going to happen yet, so we'll see. But as I told you, I told you early, I told you early on, Eric Schmidt would be the guy. Got tipped off by a few people in the grassroots who know a little bit, so hopefully... It's really 17 degrees outside. Believe that? It's freaking crazy. How is that allowed to happen this early in the fall? It is November. Still. Better keep talking because... Facebook is going to catch on to me playing some, uh, some Keith Richards. So Nancy Pelosi, yeah, she's interviewed uh, by local television Fox 61 people. And she is uh, talking about girl power, women power, and she's playing the uh, the gender card because she thinks she ought to be the one 
who is the uh, brand new Speaker of the House. Now, there are some people who differ with her. Uh, and some some people even are talking about Clyburn being the Speaker of the House. There's all these – it's interesting. All these kind of um, – there, there really aren't any really new faces in the Democratic Party. And the ones that are new are a little whacked, like Ocasio-Cortez, who is a pro-Palestine, you know, anti-Israel – I mean, talk about President Trump being an anti-Semite. Lord, you ought to hear her talking about – the blathering of all the people who are anti-Israel and pro-Palestine. It's like, really? Kind of crazy. If, if, if actually, if President Trump had said that, he'd be definitely responsible for the synagogue attack, but he doesn't say that at all because, of course, it's not true. But, yeah. So uh, this, is, uh, this is Nancy Pelosi, and uh, it's interesting. This is back home in Baltimore's Little Italy, Nancy Pelosi opens up about her political roots, how motherhood prepared her for politics, and how women wield power differently than men. Now, of course, you did uh, hear her talking about this, but uh, is, 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 is that Nancy Pelosi's home in, in Baltimore? I I I I'm trying to figure. Let me let me just figure this out because it's 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 to my knowledge, uh, Nancy Pelosi was a representative in uh, in California, House District Twelve. That, that's what that's what I thought the uh, that that <laughs> it was. So. Maybe I'm mistaken, but but as far as I know, she's she's a California representative, and so and may, and maybe maybe she lives in Little Italy in Baltimore. That that, that that's her that's her house when she's I guess not in California or in D.C. I guess that's where she lives, but. Back home in Baltimore's Little Italy is kind of a weird way to put it. But anyway, she's being interviewed by the... uh, just saying, women, you know how to get it done. Know your power. Badass women of Washington with Dana Nancy Pelosi certainly knows her power more than any other woman I've ever covered in politics. And I've always wondered how. We have broken the marble ceiling. How did the first and only female House Speaker in history become so effective that even her political opponents repeatedly told me over the years that they've marveled at her leadership of her caucus? Dana Bash ought to be given the... Medal of Honor by the Pelosi fans for promoting her candidacy for House Speaker. Lord, this is just a this is a this is an eight minute long commercial for Nancy Pelosi to be back in as uh, Speaker of the House again. Back home in Little Italy in Baltimore, I don't I still don't get that. It's like she's a California Congresswoman. This is your hood, yeah. For the answer, we went with Pelosi to where it all started, Little Italy in Baltimore, where she was born to Congressman Thomas D'Alessandro Jr. and Annunziata oh, I see. D'Alessandro. It's her, it's her birthplace, so it's not really her home. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, you know, taking CNN's word for it. When she was six, her father became Baltimore's first Catholic mayor. He leaped out over the Irish. That was a big deal. <laughs> but it took a, a political organizing to do that. 
Much has been made of Pelosi's father's influence on her. Less known. She she kind of underplays that that Italian Irish back and forth that was that was going on here in St. Louis. It was more German Irish that was the, uh, the the people who were conflicted with each other. But the Italian Irish thing in Baltimore was pretty hardcore. I mean, these people were beating each other senseless back in those days. I'm just telling you. And, and and then they have, of course, all these political machines and things like that. And, you know, this wasn't this was there was there was a, it was a different level of community organizing back in those days. And believe me, it wasn't a bunch of people with clipboards. It was a bunch of people with bats. That's pretty much and pipes. That's pretty much how they how they got things done back in those days, I will tell you. Uh, but But also, by the way, you know. In in St. Louis, it was really interesting because there was a place here uh, in St. Louis called the Cary Patch, and it was uh, predominantly Irish and predominantly kind of uh, North Side, and uh, no Carondelet, I guess it was. So there would be South. I, I can't really exactly remember. I think it, maybe it was South. Then anyway, there was a, a, a place called the Cary Patch in St. Louis, and even the police wouldn't wouldn't go into the Cary Patch. After dark in St. Louis, even even Irish born policemen wouldn't go into the Cary Patch after dark in in uh, in St. Louis because that place was a pretty dangerous place only if you were from the outside. So it wasn't like it was a dangerous place in the inside, but if you were not Irish or you were a police officer, you didn't go near the Cary Patch. That's just kind of. How it all worked out. Anyway, I'm just a little bit historical. Is her mother's? Your mom actually patented a device, the first device to apply steam to the face. Yes. Basically a... It's too bad she didn't patent a muzzle. That would have helped society a lot a lot more. A muzzle that, well, I would ever say that a girl ought to be muzzled, but you know what I'm talking about. At home facial. That's right. That's incredible. It was incredible. Pelosi says her father and the Times held her mother back in many ways. But Annunziata D'Alessandro was a quiet force in politics. Okay, My mother so this was is, very much a part of the organizing. So this is, this is eight minutes how of... How different that meeting would have been if a man were conducting it. Do they explain how? Well, the, you listen, you build... We have a golden opportunity. Her advice for women transcends politics. Have you ever been to a meeting when uh, you're at the table and a woman makes a suggestion and then they go to the next person and two persons later a man makes the same suggestion the other gentlemen at the table say that's a great idea yeah yeah if you've been there (laughs) so what I have learned later in life I've concluded that the reason that they didn't recognize the merit when a woman suggested it is they didn't even listen they did not even listen to the woman. And so Nancy Pelosi saying, make sure that I am Speaker of the House because we need a woman as Speaker of the House. Now, it's interesting to note that Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the Democrats have never really – we talk about breaking glass ceilings or marble ceilings or whatever she talked about back in the day. As much as she talks about opening things up for women – she really hasn't opened things up for women. 
as as leader of this as the speaker of the house because uh there there are very few prominent house democrat women who have able been able to make their way uh up the ladder of leadership i don't know whether you've noticed it or not because uh, it's it's interesting that that Nancy Pelosi has been a leader for god knows how long now and very few other women have been able to make their way. Has has Nancy Pelosi groomed any women in Congress? Has and and normally, for instance, you know, as it was pointing out, pointed out by Adam Kinzinger, Republicans basically have people in certain leadership positions as a party for six years at most, and then they switch people out. They 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 change things over. But for whatever reason, Democrats always keep a lid on on movement of other people b- below them. And, and Nancy Pelosi, the mere fact that Nancy Pelosi is still being talked to by Dana Bash, Bash as the premier female Democrat leader is a pretty good indication that the Democratic Party doesn't really do a good job of moving leaders around in terms of allowing women uh, other women to make strides. I don't know whether you've noticed that or not. I mean, if you even if you look at the Republican Party and you see that there are plenty of uh, Republican women who made their way to positions of uh, of leadership. I mean, Ann Wagner was one of them where they were grooming her. But it, but even if you notice the leaders in the Republican Party though change out. So John Boehner. Has it been around for ever? I mean, he was around for a while, but they switched him out, and then Paul Ryan took over. And so there's a lot of movement in the Republican Party in terms of switching out leaders. But in a Democratic Party, there's there's not much. I mean, you, you look at people like Dianne Feinstein and the rest of the crew, it's the same people all the time. Whereas the Republicans at least have different people. So I'm I'm my argument here is that as much as Nancy Pelosi talks about the movement of women and, and, and the importance of women in Democrat Party politics, she remains the only important woman in Democrat Party politics. I mean, aside from obviously Hillary Clinton and the rest of the people who've, who've run, but I'm talking about in Congress, Nancy Pelosi doesn't leave a lot of room for other women. It hasn't actually lived up to her mantra that women ought to be in charge because actually only women named Pelosi ought to be in charge as far as she's concerned. And it's interesting how when it comes to how women are perceived, like do you think Dana Bash and the rest of the crew like it when Melania exerts her own power, the first lady? Like they loved it when Michelle Obama was all over the place and 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 wagging her finger at everybody and telling everybody what to eat and all this kind of stuff. But when Melania does it, it doesn't sit very well. As you know, Melania Trump has basically expressed a great deal of satisfaction dissatisfaction with uh, one of uh, President Trump's top advisors, national security advisors, uh, Mira Ricardel. And 
there are issues going on right now regarding uh, General Kelly and, uh, of course, Mary Cardell and all the rest of the crew. And the First Lady doesn't like the fact that this Ricardell woman is demanding people get seats on her airplane and doing all this kind of stuff. And it's kind of uh, pushy in the East Wing there. And, and is and is is not very well regarded by a lot of people there. And Melania pretty much has had enough. And you know, Melania doesn't speak a a whole lot about people in her in her husband's realm. There, she keeps her mouth pretty quiet on matters. So when she does speak, you'd think that it would be afforded some degree of credibility or some degree of power, but. It's not at all. In fact, uh, the networks kind of went nuts over this about her uh, getting involved and her daring to speak. That's interesting because, you know, we I, we just got through with uh, two days of how amazing Nancy Pelosi is and how women are the future of the world. And, you know, I, I don't obviously, you know me, I don't I don't doubt the power and the and the glory of women i mean you know what i'm talking about i have a lot of women who listen to this show and and they're strong and feminine and everything else so i'm I'm not a i'm not that guy and you all know that speaking of that i just put a facebook post on my on my private page about the my uh, mom's 90th so if you guys want to look at some pictures from the 90th birthday celebration i mean there's a woman who could be house speaker right there my mom but anyway Again, it's interesting how some people promote the power of some women depending on who those women are and who those some people are. But if you're a Republican woman or, heaven forbid, you are uh, a wife of a Republican president, you shall keep your mouth shut. And It's interesting, too, how when Melania travels and things like that, the first people to criticize her manner of dress are women in the media, left-wing women in the media. The, the, remember a while back when, when uh, Melania wore heels as she was getting onto the uh, Marine One and, and, and even onto Air Force One to go and travel to see hurricane victims. They all accused her of wearing heels to a hurricane scene, and yet when she popped off when they landed, she had tennis shoes on. But that didn't stop them from criticizing her. So it's interesting how some women are afforded certain levels of power and some aren't. And the networks went crazy over uh, the the Melania story where she was actually exerting First Lady Melania Trump asserting herself like never before in the West Wing, today publicly called for Deputy National Security Advisor Mira Ricardell to be fired. You think he likes that? This reporter? Uh, you can tell he doesn't, right? Is the position of the office of the First Lady that she no longer deserves the honor of serving in this White House, Mrs. Trump's spokeswoman said in a statement. That came less than an hour after Rick Cardell was seen smiling right over the president's shoulder at a West Wing event. White House sources tell ABC News the First Lady became irritated with Ricardell in the planning of her trip to Africa last month. Mrs. Trump felt she had treated her staff disrespectfully. On that trip, the First Lady told ABC's Tom Yamas that there are some on the president's team she does not trust, 
and that she lets him know. Tonight, the first lady flexing her muscles. Melania Trump taking the unprecedented step of publicly calling for the... They're basically treating Melania like she's some, some kind of witch. Because, because she's calling for the removal of this woman. And then apparently it's not the first lady's place to speak about such affairs. And so they're treating her like she's she's some kind of Disney witch here. Firing of one of her husband's top advisors, Miro Ricardel, amid other clashes with the chief of staff, John Kelly, that are so significant it could lead to Kelly's departure. Seven people familiar with the situation tell NBC News Kelly has tangled with the first lady's team over everything from staffing issues to travel requests. One White House official telling NBC there have been instances where the East Wing staff were not treated as equals to the male-dominated decision makers in Chief Kelly's office. But in a statement, the first lady's spokesperson called the relationship with Kelly's staff very positive. Melania Trump acknowledging last month the White House can be a challenging environment. You always need to watch your back. And late today, the first lady blasted the deputy to national security advisor John Bolton. That deputy, Mira Ricardel, spotted at a White House event with the president when the first lady spokesperson released a statement about Ricardel saying it is the position of the office of the first lady that she no longer deserves the honor of serving in this White House. Multiple sources tell NBC News Ricardel infuriated the first lady by interfering with her first solo overseas trip to Africa. Well, the the hyperventilating of the news media over this matter, and of course, there's more to come today because there'll, there'll be think pieces on Melania and uh, how she's now flexing her muscle and how she is uh, she is not knowing her place and is now this dominating domineering disney witch force in the white house now and then, and and picking on poor little old general kelly and everything else but the reality is she is the first lady and the reality is history has shown that first ladies do in fact often exert their power and their authority and their roles as equals in terms of family uh, to their the presidents. And in fact, uh, my friends over at Newsbusters go all the way back to Abigail Adams uh, and, and first ladies having a huge role in levels of decision-making that have uh, gone on since the, the old days. And there have been people, uh, I mean, Hillary Clinton is a perfect example of that. I mean, Hillary Clinton was almost treated as a co-president to President Clinton. And she had a little more sympathy because of the way that uh, President Clinton was behaving. Uh, So, you know, she had a little bit of a – she was given a little bit of slack there. But it's not unusual for first ladies to make statements, and uh, maybe it is unusual for them to make statements about the the jobs of certain individuals – uh, and whether or not they belong there, but but it's not unusual for first ladies to exert a level of uh, a level of, of their power. I mean, you saw it with Hillary, and you saw it with uh, Nancy Reagan. She was a great example of that, and you saw it with Eleanor Roosevelt. She was a great example of that. I mean, Eleanor Roosevelt, it could be argued, was 
almost vice president for crying out loud, uh, considering her role in things. And you don't think she had anything to do with, uh, with the way certain things operated in the White House? Hell yes, she did. But in the eyes of liberals, you see, uh, Melania should just shut up. That, that, that a, a woman should know her place when she's a Republican. And they did the same. Nancy Reagan was treated horribly when she would exert herself on the national stage. She was uh, treated terribly by the news media back then. And and Melania is similarly being mistreated here in terms of people insinuating somehow she she has no say in how things operate. And, and she does. She's the first lady and first ladies do. And so when Hillary Clinton would exert her first ladyism and Eleanor Roosevelt would too, she was uh, lauded. They were lauded as powerful women and their influence over their husbands and they had all kinds of great little think pieces and 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 fun facts about the first lady. But uh, never mind that Melania Trump, she must keep her mouth quiet because after all, her accent, you know, is uh, she has that accent. And, uh, you know, the one that Jimmy Kimmel decided to go ahead and and mock when she when she made her. Her her uh, appearance at the at the at the Easter egg roll. I, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, there, there was a there was a Twitter video even made of the whole event, and, and he was uh, doing his late night comedy routine, and and and, and decided he was going to go and 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 make fun of her accent, and 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 again. She's been maligned, mistreated, and treated like crap ever since she became first lady. It didn't matter whether it was people making fun of her accent, who were pointing out uh, the terrible nature of her clothes, and she she's wearing the wrong thing, and everything else. And so, you know, I, I it, it, you guys know the drill. You you guys know how different it is. Uh, you know, and and some women are are treated, for instance better than others, even when they actually don't know a thing about what they're talking about. And Ocasio-Cortez is a perfect example of that. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez, I don't know whether you've ever seen interviews uh, with her or interviews done uh, with her. She's uh, dumb as a rock, it seems. Doesn't know anything about policy. She did get elected to Congress, so you got to give her that. But now she's taking on... Nancy Pelosi, and to tell you the truth, the news media doesn't seem to be very happy about that. They don't seem to be. They don't seem to be really celebrating her being a newcomer or her advancement on the scene. And she is right out there in front here at this uh, climate protester deal in front of Nancy Pelosi's office. So. Uh, right now, it appears that the Democratic Party is in a certain level of disarray because you have the left wing of the Democratic Party starting to exert itself within the party. And you have the, well, I don't know, Nancy Pelosi is pretty damn left. So I don't know how you, it's it's the left wing kooks versus the, the left wing 
Democrats. I, I, I don't know how else to put it because I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at Nancy Pelosi as a centrist at all. Although when you, when you put her up against Ocasio-Cortez and the other folks, you are seeing that, uh, that she's, her reputation and her image is being actually shined a little bit by the fact that these people are crazy. But but they are showing their muscle, though. And Ocasio-Cortez actually appeared, even though she's an incoming freshman, she appeared at this uh, protest in front of Nancy Pelosi's office. So these people are are, Trauma. are, are, are kind of coming for her and, and, are, and are ready to rock when it comes to facing up with the uh, the queen of the Democrats. And, and uh, Ocasio-Cortez is no uh, no different here. Here she is in front of in front of Nancy Pelosi's office. <laughs> Getting high fives and let you all know how proud I am of each and every single one of you for putting yourselves and your bodies and and everything on the line to make sure that we save our planet, our generation, and our future. And it's so incredibly important. I, 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 you know, I shared with you all, and I shared my story that uh, that my journey here started at Standing Rock, and it started with with everyday people doing exactly what you all were doing too. And so, keep in mind, Ocasio Cortez doesn't care a whit about whatever these people are doing regarding climate change and everything else. She really doesn't, she really doesn't care. She does care that they're in front of Nancy Pelosi's office and that Nancy Pelosi's a powerful Democrat who has a reputation for people, keeping people like Ocasio-Cortez and other young female Democrats down I mean, you did notice, by the way, did you notice what happened? And, and, and again, I have no love lost necessarily for, for Debbie Wasserman Schultz. But did you notice how there are a lot of women who come to the fore and quickly kind of evaporate? And, and the Debbie Wasserman Schultz story is a very interesting one. I mean, there's Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who is a congresswoman from Florida, and then ultimately, uh, the titular, the head of the Democratic Party and everything else. And yet, you notice she has not gone anywhere. Debbie Washerman Schultz has continued kind of to uh, be this brand that has stayed in one place the entire time. And, and Debbie Washerman Schultz is a great example of the kind of victimization that is meted out by certain queens like Nancy Pelosi and even Hillary Clinton for that matter. And although Hillary Clinton didn't have a position necessarily of power, except as the titular head of the democratic party, but, but some of these women are apparently more valuable than others in the democratic party. And Ocasio-Cortez just wait. As much as Mark Kaysen thinks she's going to become the next president of the United States, it's going to be over Nancy Pelosi's dead body, believe me. And, and Nancy Pelosi has a reputation for keeping these women in their place, more even than men. Because you notice Nancy Pelosi hasn't even done a good job of recruiting uh, women 
in the Democratic Party. She, what has she done to get more women involved in the Democratic Party? Basically, she wants to be the one woman who's at the meeting with all the men that she complains about. Because she hasn't really helped a whole lot of women. And, and if anybody can give me the name of some woman who has been shepherded into power or shepherded into a, a prominent place in the Democratic Party by Nancy Pelosi, I, knock yourself out because I can't find a name anywhere. I, I can find names of people who've run into her like they've run into a buzzsaw. And, and Debbie Wasserman Schultz would be a perfect example of that. She's like that, you know, every once in a while you have these uh, star baseball players that come up from the, from the you know, minor leagues and they're supposedly just uh, amazing players and blah, 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 and suddenly they're just, oh, ho-hum, nothing to see here. And sometimes that's just bad coaching. Well, uh, Nancy Pelosi's a bad coach, let's put it this way, and, and yet she gets eight minutes of a glory piece by Dana Bash and... Uh, Ocasio-Cortez, believe me, is not going to get the same kind of treatment. I don't care one way or the other, but she's not going to get the same kind of treatment, believe me. Standing with allies, standing with indigenous tribes, because we don't have a choice. We do not have a choice. We have to get to 100% renewable energy in 10 years. There is no other option. The IPCC let us know that. Yeah, so she's saying that, you know... Stand with the indigenous people of America. She's just blattering on. She doesn't even really care. Oh, well. Got my buddy Jimmy Hoft joining us in just a few. Going to follow up on... On the caravan, have you have you uh, been paying attention to the caravan and what they're up to? Well, they've arrived at the border, and uh, it's unfolding pretty much the way you would suspect. And meanwhile, we have a another murder involving him. Illegal, who was uh, DACA recipient and illegal. As we're watching these people just uh, just in this caravan who are People who've been deported before, who just want to come back. They have no, they have, they're, they're really not here for asylum. They're here for jobs. And, and, and that's not a reason to, to, uh, that's not a reason to give asylum to these individuals. We are live here from the, Discovery Design Studios. Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios. DDTruckUSA.com. Thank you, by the way, to Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency 855-QUOTE-ME. 
certainly love the people who are supporting Radio Free Almond and keep in mind the value of the support Radio Free Almond is paying you back in many different ways. And so I've got a couple of new advertisers I'm talking to today, in fact, who are going to be joining Radio Free Almond. Special thanks to Santino Cigars and Cocktails, too. Short drive, 55, exit Vogel Road, pretty much 15, 20 minutes from everywhere. Mike, Mark, and the crew, 84 craft beers, 250 rare and premium spirits, more than 170 cigars. Call them cigar facings, meaning, you know, brands. And it's a great way to go ahead and hang out in 17-degree weather and get cozy and warm as you bring in the holidays. It's a great vibe there. It's comfortable. The lighting is beautiful. And I love the place. So bring your holiday party to Santino's Vogel Road right there in uh, beautiful Arnold. I don't know whether I have any Corey Hart. Hold on, let me find some. I'm about to tell you about a little Corey Hart. I think I um, I might have him somewhere. I'm about to get to a Corey Hart story. Sunglasses at night, I'm not really a big fan of that one. Although it's a good song, but I like Never Surrender. But Sunglasses at night isn't bad. It's 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 not a, it's not necessarily like a, a a danceable tune by any stretch of the imagination, but it's pretty good. Corey Hart's married to Pink. I like Pink, I don't I don't know much about her, but she came into town not too long ago. Big concert, big Pink concert. Yeah, we know Corey. Let me tell you something about Corey Hart, though, because uh, he's not only wearing his sunglasses at night there in California with these wildfires going on. He's I think he's wearing night vision goggles, too. Because uh, on Tuesday, he wrote on Instagram because they live in they live in Malibu. They live they live in that area there. He says uh, it's unfortunate that some people take advantage of others in a crisis. While while the while the Malibu while, while the Malibu fires have been burning, some locals have been fighting off and defending their property against the fires. There have been sightings of looters breaking into homes. Well, if you are a looter, think twice if you are heading back into Malibu. And Corey Hart and his gang, it's, it's, it's the PDC posse, as they call themselves. And uh, so, so they've got they basically have a hundred and ten million dollar home there in Malibu, 
And Corey Hart, like this song basically <laughs> made him a lot of money too. So he's standing, they're standing in front of signs with these long guns. And the sign says, looters will be shot on sight. The PDC posse. Good for you, Corey Hart. Standing up for the Second Amendment, standing up for Second Amendment rights, standing up for his property. And it's amazing what uh, what some circumstances will do to Californians. And I think I think everybody just thinks, oh, these Californians, they're all a bunch of, you know, uh, liberals and blah, 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 and who, you know. Who cares about them when, when really actually they're they're kind of not they're 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 very um, they're 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 mixed breed of people and let me tell you something nothing brings out your uh, conservative kinds of instincts than people committing crimes against you so good for Corey Hart. And good, and good for Facebook for not pulling me off the uh, the damn the damn page. So yeah. Meanwhile, did you see see this other invasion? This is uh, at the southern border. Seven thousand to ten thousand Central Americans have arrived. At the United States and Mexico border, border there, and there's uh, they're, they're actually showing you this live uh, video on uh, on on a on a Hispanic television station, and the the video is showing basically people. It's Televisa Tijuana Oficial, and they're showing people just. Uh, Climbing over the fence and just basically going crazy. Walking towards the border there. And once they get to the once they get to the fence, they just kind of go go right over the fence. These are people who want, by the way, jobs. And that's not a reason to be given asylum in the United States. And of course, they're popping. This is right, right around San Diego, right? And they're popping over the fence. And, and basically, I'm, I'm watching just the United States... Border Patrol and everybody else just watching them. Just popping right over the fence. And even though there's 5,000 members of the U.S. military, obviously they can't go near them. 
But these guys are looking for jobs. They're looking for crime-free communities. And believe me, there are people here in in St. Louis who would love to be in a crime-free community. But they've got to stay put. And these people are just kind of uh, popping over and, and nothing seems to be happening to them, although there are individuals standing at the, at the border and I can't tell what exactly is uh, happening, but these guys are just going right over the fence. So, so actually, you know what? Walls do, walls do work. Uh, and apparently fences really don't. Did you know there are polls out there, and there's one in particular you want to pay attention to, and this is uh, a polling, a poll conducted by Zogby, and of course you can take polls for what they are, as you know, uh, you, you can you can take it with a grain of salt if you want to, whatever. Polls are not always right, but I still tell you about them. This poll shows that nearly 6 in 10 Hispanic American voters in the midterms elections that, that, uh, who voted this month, 6 in 10 Hispanic, Hispanic Americans support mandatory E-Verify. And of course, as you know, that's, that's designed to prevent U.S. businesses from hiring illegal aliens over American citizens. Six in ten Hispanics who were asked support E-Verify. So it just goes to show you that if you really want to translate this, six in ten Hispanic Americans support defending our sovereignty and defending our laws and defending our jobs. Overall, a total of nearly 75% of U.S. voters in the midterms Say they support mandatory E-Verify to prevent illegal immigration. 55% of Democrats, 90% of Republicans, and 80% of independent voters all support mandatory E-Verify. And now there are some people who uh, say that E-Verify is mean and it's not right and blah, 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 but, but they, they support this. So if if they support E-Verify and, and, they, and they support the businesses being forced to comply with with uh, with sovereignty and the, and the laws of, of our land, how is it possible that people support caravans of individuals coming and just simply popping over offense although you wouldn't know it by looking at the news media's coverage of this stuff you'd think these people were you know uh the uh minutemen for crying out loud the way they're lauded but if six in ten hispanic american voters support e-verify and 75 percent of u.s voters support e-verify overall how is it possible you can translate this caravan and this in thing is anything but an invasion because because these people aren't going to be uh c- complying with our laws and, and here's the other thing about e-verify and this is in defense 
of the companies that are having to use it. The, uh, the, the, the companies out there should not, in my opinion, have to be the ones that are solely tasked with uh, enforcing our laws. Uh, it's it's not fair to our businesses to have them having to spend resources trying to defend the sovereignty of this nation when this nation isn't defending its own sovereignty. So it's one thing to go ahead and, and support E-Verify, but keep in mind E-Verify is really the, kind of the last step in, in defending our borders. And and uh, the, this pro-American immigration reform, the E-Verify aspect isn't even being negotiated by Democrats and Republicans. And, and, and because they, they, they don't want to have to worry about the DACA recipients and all that kind of thing. Uh, the 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 uh, in 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 return for the you know DACA amnesty, which is what the president was talking about um, back in January. In return for all that, last January, I mean, uh, the Trump administration wanted to end chain migration and to try to cut the legal, uh, you know, cut the illegal immigration problem we have and, and chain migration is part of all that. Cause you have people coming over here, they're on visas and then they overstay their visas and then they just kind of squat here and nobody finds them. But Republicans and Democrats, uh, you know, uh, and, and many big businesses have fought e- mandatory E-Verify. Uh, because part of it is that the businesses would be solely responsible for uh, illegally responsible if they hired illegal aliens. And keep in mind, illegal aliens really do. Uh, a lot of them have these systems where sometimes it's really kind of hard to find out that they're illegal aliens. They have you know fake IDs and fake so you know all social security numbers and that kind of thing. But 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 if if there was going to be a situation uh, where you know we gave amnesty to DACA recipients, the Trump administration wanted a reinforcement of the E-Verify system that would require employers to keep uh, tabs on illegals to keep more of them from coming here. It was a, it was a means of get, keeping people from teaming across the border at the levels that they are to try to uh, to. to it would be one example of how we can telegraph telegraph to potentially uh, illegal aliens that we're going to check, and we're, we and it's mandatory that businesses check and see whether or not you're legal, and that's a pretty big disincentive to a lot of people from coming over here, because right now a lot of individuals who are the ones sending messages out to the illegal immigrants and that kind of thing, and people who want to come over here is that it's fine. You can come over here. They're never going to catch you, and you can even give it, get a job, and they're never going to really find out you're illegal, or they're not going to have to check, or they're not going to bother checking. 
and believe me, there are a lot of people who are in the business world who don't bother checking and don't really want to. And so they remain the masters of many of our Republican and Democrat politicians who haven't done anything about E-Verify in spite of the fact that 75% of voters in the midterm support mandatory E-Verify. So, I mean, I could see the arguments coming from the folks uh, who are uh, on on that side of the fence, so to speak. I, I could see the arguments from their point of view that, well, you know, you're making us solely responsible for uh, defending our borders. And, and while that appears true, uh, that, that appears true, uh, there, there still is a component of E-Verify that is necessary in order for us to maintain our, our sovereignty. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that you can have it both ways. Uh, but but if you only do mandatory verify and not anything else, then you are making the companies all do the border enforcement for you, and that's just and that's not fair to them. And mandatory verify would be a lot easier if the illegal alien problem were a rare one. But instead, it's a it's a big one because we haven't done anything about it. But on the other hand, you you can't have then amnesty programs for these DACA people, and then no E-Verify to keep more people from coming over here. So a lot of these people, Republicans and Democrats, want to have their cake and eat it too, and 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 they don't want to really truly do anything to uh, enforce the law. If you're not going to enforce our border, the least you can do is enforce. Hiring practices, but to do neither is irresponsible. And 75% of American voters, 6 in 10 Hispanic voters, support mandatory E-Verify. And there's a way to do this without making it all about the companies having to do the do all the, all the dirty work. You think, uh, are you ready for Bob Corker for president? Yeah, I'm not. I don't, what, who, listen, I know that it's, it's not beyond the realm of comprehension uh, that, that uh, you know, everybody thought Donald Trump, there's no way he could win. There's no way he could get, get you know, get through this. There's no way he can do this. No way he can do that. So I, I understand that, uh, you know, don't count anybody out. But little Bob Corker might be... Uh, giving President Trump a run for his money as a uh, as a person who's running as a Republican for 2020. So he's going to try to primary President Trump. This is going to be fun to watch. Little old Bob Corker, who really ultimately is just an obstructionist. He hasn't been very helpful. He has voted with the president on a number of occasions, but uh, this idea somehow that he is uh, – that he's going to uh, ultimately be uh, president of the United States? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Bob Corker. Bob Corker. Little old Bob Corker. Bobby, you got to learn to crawl, baby. As all the other never-Trumpers had to learn. 
Mark Sanford, learn to crawl, boy. Jeff Flake, learn to crawl, boy. John Kasich, once you take the big piece of pizza out of your mouth, learn to crawl, boy. Ben Sass. Learn to crawl, baby. And I mean, I mean, learn to crawl. Learn to crawl behind President Trump. Learn to crawl behind him, because he's about to crawl all over you. Good morning this morning. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Live from the Discovery Design Studios. Discovery Design Truck Care Manufacturing, everybody. I want to remind you that uh, you have some holiday window treatments that you need to get going on, don't you? You know, it's a great gift, too, in case you want to give the gift of Michael Proctor. Since 1974, quality value service and window fashion from Michael Proctor. Proctor spelled like doctor, proctordrapery.com. Is he 23 when he started? That's right. Started on New Year's Day in 1974, Michael Proctor did. He'll, He'll be celebrating his 45th year in the biz coming up, so you can celebrate with him. By taking advantage of the beautiful window fashions he offers you, plus a great eye. I'm called Jimmy Jimmy Hoft here, and 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 value. He's his comp- competitors are all the uh, all the all the the the, the big guys, the, the guys who do the luxury window treatments. Those are his competitors. And he uh, he takes care of them with uh, a plum. Let me guarantee you that. Proctor spelled like doctor. Proctor Drapery. Dot com, people. Gatewaypundit.com is where you can find Hello? Jimmy. Hey, uh, Jimmy Hoft. How you doing, buddy? Good morning, Jamie. How's it going? Good morning this morning. Uh, fine. I'm uh, just marveling at, for instance, the, all the love given to uh, to Nancy Pelosi. You know, it's it's all about woman power, right? Except when you're Melania Trump. Then they don't like that woman power, do they now? Uh, not a bit. Not a bit. This is very interesting. It's crazy and, and, time. Uh, no doubt about it. And... It's interesting what you are covering, and, and beautifully so, because if you guys want any information as you get right down to it regarding uh, the efforts by the Democrats to steal elections in Florida and Georgia, uh, Jimmy's all over it. Your latest post here is uh, talking about how uh, not only have the Democrats picked off a dozen GOP House seats and two more Senate seats, 
they're going for more, and they're going to do anything they can to, to, to make it happen, even if it's not right. And so uh, you have a bunch of Democrat lawyers now who've descended on Florida to try to move this needle in favor of Nelson and maybe even for that matter and of Gillum, correct? Uh, right, right. This is, uh, this is still happening yesterday. I, I, you know, I think no one has looked at yet. How many of these Republican seats have we lost since election day? Um, and granted some seat, you know, some, some elections are pretty close, but, uh, Jamie, it looks like from our numbers and I put this together last evening, um, and, and Republicans lost another close race on, on, uh, uh Monday night, by the way. Uh, it looks like Republicans have only come off with two two wins out of all those close races. And in several of these California races, Republicans were all ahead by several thousand votes. And then, my goodness, after a few days, Democrats pull ahead in each and every one of these races. So uh, uh, this uh, historically uh, conservative Orange County now, I, I believe there's a couple candidates left who they haven't called yet. But um, all the others, they've called for Democrats. And this is in a, you know, very, it's the, the area in California where they've always had a, you know, it's a staunch uh, Republican enclave. So I, um, and one of my writers, by the way, lives out there in, that, in Orange County and can't believe what's happening. But it looks like Democrats have picked off at least another 12 seats in Congress since the election. And they picked off two, uh, two seats uh, in the Senate, they they won uh, met uh, in Montana. John Tester was behind uh, when when people went to bed on Tuesday night. He uh, miraculously uh, won by five thousand points. And then we saw what happened in Arizona, where McSally lost by thirty thousand. By the time the the they finished counting all these ballots in Maricopa County, so uh, it, it's uh, it's amazing to me, Jamie. I think the Republican uh, percentage is about. 12% now, and Democrats are winning a 88% of these races that weren't called on election night. Um, I And then, of course, we're seeing what's happening in Florida. I just watched a, uh, a segment on Fox News this morning, Jamie, where this Matt Caldwell, he's running for Ag Secretary in Florida. Yeah, He was ahead by uh, 30,000 votes or something on election night, went to bed, wakes up two days later, Snipes comes up with 83,000 thousand new votes out of nowhere. Nobody's asking this woman where she found 83,000 votes. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, Jamie. It used to be, and you know this, Democrats would find 500 votes in a car trunk. Um, today, they're finding 83,000 after Election Day. It's so scandalous. And uh, unless people go to jail on this, you know it's going to continue because they, these people see they're getting away with it. This guy said that Caldwell said on the uh, television this morning that there's no way they could have found 83,000 votes. It's statistically impossible. There wasn't that many votes left. He said around 30,000 more, he figured, may have come in. Um, but to see 80,000 in Broward County, he says it's, it's just no way. But you know what, Jamie? It might be too late. Yeah, well, that you know that race with, uh, with Scott now, it's down to a 15,000-vote margin, and you know, and and what was believed to be an impossibility just even a day and a half ago that you could make that up in any kind of recount or whatever suddenly has become kind of 
you know, one of those issues there. And so Marco Rubio uh, put out a tweet last night that said, imagine if NFL team was trailing 24-22, but in the final seconds hits a three-point kick to win. Then after the game, lawyers for the losing team get a judge to order rules change (laughs) so that the second field goals are only one point. And he goes, well, that's how Democrat lawyers are trying to steal the election. They're asking a judge to change Florida election laws after the election. Absolutely. It's, uh, I don't think we've ever seen anything this corrupt. And again, uh, you know, people have their uh, uh, theories on why this is happening now and if this is uh, going to be a precursor of 2020. But uh, if they get away with it, we're going to see this all over the country. You're already seeing the similar thing in uh, Georgia where there's Stacey McAdams uh, lost by Stacey Adams, lost by, uh, you know, several tens of thousands of votes. Now she's challenging the election uh, and, and these judges are, are supporting her. Um, and they, the judges yesterday in Georgia, now Obama appointed judges, said that, yeah, they should count all these ballots that have the wrong birth date on them. So uh, Democrats are going to just steal their way into power and they have no shame about it. And I'm upset, Jamie, with the Republican Party not knowing who they're dealing with. At this point in time, Jamie, you know what you're dealing with. You know what these people are about. I know what they're about. I've seen the way they have attacked me, by the way. And uh, and it's about time the Republican Party wakes up and understands these people are not playing with the same uh, rule book as we are. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the, the thing in Arizona, before we get on to Georgia here real quickly, because again, because again you, you, the judges – let me first things first here. Uh, the, the judge, for instance, that ordered the recount in Palm Beach County extended all the way to November 20th, five days after the initial deadline. These are the guys that are the problems, these judges uh, who – I don't know who appoints them or whatever, but – uh, the, these judges, and I think this one guy was an Obama appointee, uh, is these judges are just arbitrarily ruling on certain things like extending these recounts here. And then, of course, we also have your, your post there that uh, they found a bunch of voting equipment stashed in an elementary school. And this place is like it's banana republic politics down there. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, of course, there, there, there will, no questions will be asked. Um uh, again, we don't know where 80,000 votes man- were manufactured, where they came from. This Brenda Snipes, this woman should be put in jail. There's enough evidence against this woman. She should be thrown in jail for the rest of her life, I think. I mean, uh, th- 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 uh, obviously, she should go through the court proceedings. But um, the fact that uh, you-, you can find 80,000 votes uh, after Election Day, the fact that you don't report uh, the numbers as you, you're legally responsible to do. She was supposed to report numbers every 45 minutes. The fact that she never, uh, she never told authorities how many more votes they had, never once, until they, until they got 80,000 new votes in. Um, and then you find this equipment in an Avis car and yesterday in an in a elementary school. Uh, you know, what, what the hell is going on in that county? And is anyone ever going to be held accountable? I'm telling you, Jamie, the only thing these people are afraid of is the threat of the law. And it, unless these people are held accountable, unless some heads start to roll, this is going to happen all over the country. 
we know this is this is going to be their game plan from now on. Um, and uh, in a state like Florida, they can't they can't afford to to mess up like this. And again, I blame Republicans as much as Democrats. They knew this woman was corrupt for several years. Why weren't they there? You know, with lawyers the night of the election. Um, so we we could very well lose uh, Florida. Here's the question I have too, Jamie. They said 80,000 new votes came in. We don't have a guarantee that they haven't been adding votes since then. Uh, they were supposed to turn in their tallies on Saturday, but we don't know if they've added ballots to, the, to their you know, uh, pile, to their stash since that day. Um, so they got away with uh, putting 80,000 in. Um, you know, I, 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 it certainly wouldn't surprise me if they found another 20. Uh, so uh, it's, it's very, uh, I, I don't know how you felt, but the, my readers at the Gateway Pundit uh, were furious furious at what's going on and and furious that republicans are it, it, it appears sitting back and not doing enough and allowing all these uh races to be stolen or uh you know to have democrats sweep uh, the last 20 races um since election day i think it's uh uh you know i'm still a, i'm still uh, just irate that this is happening in america yeah, and then and then of course you you go after Brenda Snipes and you're a racist or whatever, and and so she's hiding behind mm. that. And but but you know you talk about right. some of the other votes coming in afterwards. You had another report on uh, on the GatewayPundit dot com where there's a Broward County deputy saying that there were some civil rights attorneys uh, handing out absentee ballots to jail inmates after the election. Right, right, <sighs> right. This was. Uh... A story, a friend of ours um, from one news network, a radio network, uh, contacted the Gateway Pundit. She found, she she actually spoke with some guy who's in a uh, in, in an office down there who has, uh, who gave her this information. And of course, you know, we looked at it and we're like, are you sure this is going on? But she's in, she's still in contact with this, this source of hers who's been a, uh, she said a, a good source in the past and is in a level where he would know what's going on. But she, they're saying that they were uh, not only were they and I did call the Broward County Sheriff's Office, by the way, and was told that um, uh, the the Democrats come into these jails and they, they register people. And, um, you know, she just she told me this matter of fact. And, and you know what, Jamie, I believe it. You know, and 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 she said these people like this Nicholas Cruz, the mass murderer, the the shooter who who slaughtered all them kids at Parkland High School, he was able to register to vote, and in fact he was eligible to vote because he's not a felon yet. He has not gone through the court process where he would and and sentencing where he would have a felony after his name, and so even this mass murderer could have legally voted. And she told me that uh, this is this is not just in Broward County, but in jails all around the country. People go in and sign up these uh, non-felons to vote because it's their constitutional right. And you know what? She's right. It, it sounds shady as hell, but, you know, if they don't have a felony behind their name, she's right. So I, I talked to her yesterday and she said that this probably happened. She wasn't, uh, you know, able to confirm this happened. And she works inside the jail. And by the way, she told me I was, uh, I was the nicest reporter who called her because, 
Jamie, I just, I just wanted the answers, right? I just wanted to know what's going on. And she was very, you know, and if you're, you, you're an expert at this, if you just ask them, you know, in a polite way, what, what the hell happened, uh, you know, uh, without attacking her, she, she was, you know, just fine to tell me. Um, but so it, it makes it sound, she wanted to answer if, uh, these, uh, uh, if they came in afterwards, uh, we don't have uh, 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 any written statement on this, but uh, I'm going to push and see if we can follow this a little further. Wow, that's crazy. Now, you know, one of the things about the Arizona election yeah. where McSally uh, lost uh, that election wound up and, and, and obviously there are some questions about the recorder there in Maricopa County, who was one of these uh lawyers for the infamous gang that was uh, part of the whole Eric Holder Fast and Furious debacle. And so he's a, he's a Bernie bro and everything else, and he's a recorder of votes there. And Maricopa County is the, is the one county that delivered the uh, key votes that put cinema over the top regarding McSally. But we need to also remember that right. McSally was, was a candidate that – not only did not only did many of the Arizona Republicans not help her, uh, and, and they didn't. Uh, Flake and these other guys didn't help her, but also she didn't necessarily help herself either. Uh, Levin, uh, you have a post here on on thegatewaypundit dot com where Mark Levin says that she didn't even want to come on his show because she wanted to pretend like she was kind of like such a middle-of-the-road Republican like the uh, the rest of the crew out there. And uh, and that, that didn't help her yeah. either with Republicans. Right. There's a, there was a video then that was floating around after she lost, and uh, I, I thought her, she had an amazing story. Yeah. You know, uh, being, you know, the first female fighter pilot and uh, – really gave her she's given uh, her, her whole career has been the you know uh, serving this country serving this nation she's done it admirably um but she was also a never trumper so uh before the election she didn't go to the convention she had other things to do the you know during the 2016 uh, election she wanted to support trump wouldn't say if she uh was going to vote for trump so she had a lot of problems with donald trump um i don't know what exactly happened there uh during the primary, it looks like 200 some thousand Arizona voters voted for the governor who embraced Trump, but did not vote for McSally. So uh, that's unfortunate because now they have uh, this Marxist uh, uh, code pink activist who's their senator, who's uh, they tried to, you know, put lipstick on a pig. Uh, think of that. This woman was out saying that. Uh, uh, she she uh, wouldn't blame anyone for joining the Taliban. This was in like 2002 or three, it, right after 9-11, she said something that bold. So she's as far left as they come. And uh, yet she, she was able to, uh, to dress herself up pretty well and sound, uh, sound normal. And now she's a senator. Um, and of course, we've seen too, Jamie, that the mainstream media has just lost their freaking mind and uh, they certainly aren't going to tell uh, Arizona voters that this woman is as radical as she is. And so we, we always have to uh, consider that, that the mainstream media today is just an extension of the Democrat Party. That, and uh, and their, their attack machine against conservatives, you've been the brunt of their attacks. I have. 
And so uh, Republicans, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I see that Donald Trump is delivering. Um, I don't see that the Republican Party is delivering. I think they've fallen down. And if Donald Trump was not in, in, uh, in the White House today, I think the Republican Party would be uh, flat on their back because I don't think they have anything else. I don't think they understand what's going on. I don't think they understand who they're dealing with. And uh, it's uh, it's very scary to see when Donald Trump is gone, who is who's going to be there, who's going to be able to take the on and uh, take on this uh, Marxist onslaught in the country. I just don't know who it's going to be. Yeah, and 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 again, you know, the, the McSally lesson is it is that again moderates aren't going to win, and people who try to distance themselves from conservatives aren't going to win. And so I think there might be a mixture of uh, some nefarious activities as it relates to votes in Arizona. But I think this one tends to fall squarely on, on McSally's uh, shoulders here. Ducey, as you point out, that was a, that was a great catch by your buddy Mike Cernovich and you, uh, who pointed out that Governor Ducey, you know, he got a million-plus votes, and uh, McSally was uh, underperforming him by 200,000. I mean, that's a good indication. And Ducey was a big Trump guy, and she wasn't. And so right. that's what you get. Uh, meanwhile, on to Georgia, uh, again, it's these judges. And, and these are two Obama-appointed judges that you say uh, in the post here, and, and you have a, a graphic, too, that indicates it, that uh, they basically have uh, – are aiding Stacey Abrams in this attempt to steal this election. Oh yeah. This is just a joke. I mean, the fact that they're getting away with this too in Georgia, where she clearly lost, I was watching, you know, this was a big high profile race during uh, the election. And uh, I was watching the results on Tuesday night and this guy was way ahead all night. He was ahead by, uh, you know, five, six percent. Now all of a sudden, of course, this is another state where, She's miraculously had all these thousands of votes uh, pop up, and uh, she continues to manufacture votes. I saw this weekend there was this tweet that the Democrat Party of Georgia put out that said, we have several counties that are reporting thousands of new votes. This was on Saturday, right? Saturday. The election was Tuesday. And this Democrat Party in Georgia was saying there's thousands of new votes that just miraculously, again, popped up. I mean, Jamie, this is just, I mean, I just, I'm just pulling out my hair thinking, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't sound like it's legit uh, or, or legal. What the hell is going on there? And uh, so, so now they, they're continuing to fight there, hoping they can get a recount into to, uh, uh, you know, chip down on this uh, Republicans lead in the state. And, uh, and and you're just I'm just shaking my head saying this is really happening. You know, uh, so uh, I don't have much faith in our election system. I don't I don't have any faith in Democrats. J- Jamie, I, I just think that party is so far gone now. They will do anything to win. We can see that. Um, uh, they, they, they're, they're popping these votes out of nowhere after the election and they expect people to count them. I just, uh, you know, I'm, but I'm, I'm just, uh, have no words for what's going on today. Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, yeah. And in Georgia, 
these uh, Obama appointed judges got very specific and and they said that you know this at least this Gwinnett County uh, can't reject ballots because of omitted or incorrect birth years, which is precisely a reason to reject a ballot when you uh, don't have the proper birth year or it's incorrect or whatever, uh, right. uh, or it's right. not even there. I mean, there's a reason why they t- they they tear up these ballots, and then um, the, he the, the, these judge told the Secretary of State they can't certify the election results before Friday. So. Again, these people just have an inability. These Democrats have an inability to accept the results of these elections, and, and part of it has to do with poor Stacey Abrams was told by Oprah that she was going to win the election, <laughs> and told by the media that she was too. You to become the first black female governor, and she really believed that it was possible, and 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 they encouraged her, even though the numbers weren't there. So. I'm sure she's disappointed, but that's just the way it goes. And Gillum's the same way. He was treated like some kind of icon, and and, and they everybody ignored everybody except Florida voters. That is ignored his record of corruption, uh, his his plans to destroy the economy of the state, and so they just Beto O'Rourke him, and he lost too. So you know these folks just need to. Uh, realize that the news media propping them up—that—that's not a—that's not a campaign. That's—that's that's not a a strategy. That's just the news media propping you up and telling you that you're the you're the second coming, but you're really not. So, that, <laughs> right? And, and yeah, you know, this guy was corrupt as uh, it could be. We had a different situation here in in uh, Missouri. Uh, with the Sandra McDowell loss uh, there to Galloway, Nicole Galloway in the auditor's race, because it was really ultimately we thought, well, okay, uh, the coattail effect. Let's see if if uh, Sandra McDowell can ride the coattails of Josh Hawley, who rode the coattails of uh, of President Trump. Obviously, without President Trump, Hawley wouldn't have won, and so. Uh, Right, but 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 this time it was the state Republican Party that failed to support Sandra McDowell and and get out there for her, uh, and and so that was too bad because she was a great grassroots Republican candidate, and yet once again the state party decided just to ignore her, so she didn't benefit from that, and there was no fraud involved. It was just. Uh, fraudulent advertising on the part of the Missouri Republican Party that they were looking out for Republicans. So that's too bad. Yeah, very sad. All right, Jimmy. Yeah. Well, amazing. Your your site is great, uh, as always, and uh, you're just all over the, the various uh, machinations of these people trying to, to, uh, to, to grab uh, these elections, to, to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. And you also have a post, by the way, real yeah. quickly on the on the caravan migrants. I, I know I saw a video of them hopping over the border fence, and it looked like the border patrol just was watching them. But I, I don't know what the outcome was. Are they actually even even detaining any of these people? Do you know? Are you getting any information from your people down there? I. Uh- haven't heard yet, but yeah. uh, it looks like they uh, were able to make it into the U.S. pretty easy, and uh, there wasn't much of a you know resistance. <laughs> when yeah, they, when they climbed the fence and, and and came running in. Yeah, I know. I mean, I did. I didn't see much of one either. So it was like, wow, what is uh, what's going on here? So, 
Uh, anyway, always good talking to you, buddy, and I appreciate as much time as you've uh, you've given us because you've been uh, you've been fantastic. And and as always, uh, thegatewaypundit.com right. and uh, appreciate you, man. Take care, Jimmy. All right. Jimmy Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, thegatewaypundit.com. Yeah, this election thing is, I you know, they keep on stalling. I, I mean, honestly, I still don't imagine how they're going to be able to, uh, they're going to recover enough votes. For Rick Scott or DeSantis to be defeated, so they're just kind of sitting back and watching everything go on. Change my opinion about Kings of Leon. I mean, I, not, I've never, I've always liked their music, but I, uh, I did. <laughs> I did haze them a while back when they came to town because uh, they they uh, had a uh, concert there at the amphitheater. River, well, I always call it Riverport. I don't even know what it is. It's the something world. Uh, something casino amphitheater now but anyway they were on there and 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 these pigeons started just pooping all over them while they were doing their show and 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 they just walked off they said you know we're not gonna sit here and get crapped on all well you don't even know what's you know it's probably not very healthy to have pigeon drops all over you anyway So they got the hell out of there, and I gave them trouble because I, I gave them trouble for us. Yeah, you should, you know, be able to. But in hindsight, as I look at it again, I would have run off there too. There's only so much you can take getting pooped on by these dirty ass birds, you know. I don't know. I, I know people get. Uh, I don't know of people ever getting like a disease from pigeon poop, but you never know, right? I mean, it is fe- it's disgusting. Never mind, but you know what I'm talking about. So good, for, good for Kings of Leon to tell the pigeons to in, in the amphitheater to take a hike. They can't fix their stuff and and figure it out. So Michelle Obama's out there on the on the trail. With her with her permanent scowl, she and she and Obama both just are frowny McFrownies. Lord, I mean, honestly, they're not the sunniest people on earth. You know what I mean? They don't seem very fun to me. Maybe they are, but they seem to take themselves very, very seriously. Obama's always out there screaming and yelling and frowning and braying and wagging his finger and 
yelling about stuff, and 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 sometimes he might like laugh a little bit, but it, like it's a chuckle, like ah, ah, like that, but it's not really like a. Doesn't seem like he's very happy. He made me, he always made me feel. Uh, I don't know. It was always kind of depressing to see him because he just was, you know, he'd give a speech and he and he would like sit on every single word and it'd take him forever to get a sentence out and he would just kind of like just sit there and 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 act as if he's pondering. You know, some people, you know, sometimes when they are quiet or they ponder something. You know, they're, they're, they're looked upon as sages. But I'm, I'm starting to think that half the time Obama didn't know what word to use. That's what I'm starting to think. I don't know. Maybe that's mean. But uh, but one of the... Uh, <laughs> this came up when I... And I told you this before, but I'll tell you again because I think it's funny. So they were doing the... You know, you know Doug Giles was doing his... Uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas. And I played that for you a couple weeks ago. Him reading "Twas the Night Before Christmas," his version of it, at least the political side of it, and he, uh, and then uh, so up, you know, you have all these pop-ups and stuff, you know, on websites and things. So one of the pop-ups that popped up on uh, Doug Giles's "Twas the Night Before Christmas" was uh, Barack Obama reading "Twas the Night Before Christmas" with. Uh, Sasha and Malia. And even reading Twas the Night Before Christmas, Obama's like frowning reading that. Like it was a pain in the ass for him to be doing. Twas the Night Before Christmas, damn it. It's like, okay, man, calm down. But yeah, he, he was even frowning reading Twas the Night Before Christmas. Oh. I'm like, dude, it's the night before Christmas. You know, it's not the night before your execution. It's the night before Christmas. You might want to act like there's a difference. (laughs) Christmas is a happy holiday, President Obama. (laughs) See, it's it's the birth of Christ. It's a good thing. Here comes Christmas, damn it. It's like, I know. Fat-ass, white old, old white man gets up on the roof. Tired of old white men. Fat ones. But yeah, he wasn't happy about it. I should find that. I'm going to get to Michelle here real quickly, but I'm going to find this because it's... Because uh, <laughs> it's funny. I know it's mean. Shush. It's fine. I'm going to find it. Still can't believe it's 17 degrees out there. That's that's a crime. Where's global warming when you really need it? You know what I'm saying? I, I want I want more. Um, I want more uh, greenhouse gases. What? Why aren't you people putting more greenhouse gases out there so I can be warmer? Did you see that there's a? I saw something in in the uh, in the news about how there was a there was a fear that 
This is going to be the coldest winter like on record. <laughs> I don't know. I'm doing my part. I'm driving my Jeep. It's gonna, it's like you know three miles to the gallon. So I'm I'm working on I'm working on keeping things warm for all you people. Doing my doing my part. You people out there with your fancy little Fiats, you're the reason why it's 17 degrees. Well, it would be great if we started blaming people with small cars for the fact that it's cold. Wouldn't that be great? Let's turn this around. Let's turn this frown upside down. Let's start to attack people for not polluting enough. You're the reason I'm cold. Let's, let's, let's start, you know what we should do? We should start screaming at people. We should pull a we should pull a Maxine Waters like they do, like Maxine Waters does to us. Because apparently, if if you're a polluter or if you're if you're uh, working in the Trump administration, you're a polluter, and so you need to be yelled at in a restaurant. We should start yelling at people in small cars. You're why it's so cold outside. Shame on you. Shame on you for making it 17 degrees. In November, before even Thanksgiving. Shame on you. It's usually 75 degrees on Thanksgiving in St. Louis. But because of you and your dumb little Volkswagen, it's 17 degrees. Yeah, start screaming at people for that. We should have like, we should have like... uh, a cigarette in our mouth while we're doing it too, or a cigar or something. Something that's something that's causing more pollution. We should we should go up to people with our gas powered leaf blowers and blow it in their faces and blame them for the fact that we're cold. I'm still trying to find this Obama thing, but you guys think that's a good idea. I know you do. You think that it's you think I'm joking about it, but. Uh, uh, but I'm not, and you think I'm just making a fun, but I'm not. I mean, I think we ought, we ought to be the, uh, you know, the uh, Antifa. I can't find the Barack Obama one. I can find Michelle Obama, but she wasn't very happy. She wasn't very happy either. But I gotta find that anyway. Michelle Obama was uh, has a new. Um, interview with Good Morning America and she has her book out and uh, and she apparently was kind of uh, traumatized by the uh, by by the whole Trump election and her her new book I, and I don't know I you know maybe I should try I should try to trick her into doing an interview with me She doesn't do radio anyway. Clash Daily has... (laughs) They say that they... they, uh, Doug uses the term, although Wes is the one who wrote this, but... um, Here's the... Here's the... Here's the the quote, and and that's not me saying this. I, I, I use resting bitch face sparingly. And I, there are people with that, but <laughs> but yeah, 
Actually, you know what? I I know more guys with resting bitch face than I do, I do women. The lawyer for Entercom had resting bitch face when we had our mediation. The mediations are supposed to be confidential. I don't think I'm breaking any confidential rules by saying that the lawyer had resting bitch face. Am I? I don't know. You violated the confidential agreement by saying that, pointing out that the attorney had resting bitch face. It's like, okay, well, let's see how that far that goes for you. But he did. But yeah, guys have resting bitch face too. I'm trying to think of who has that. Stephen Colbert has resting bitch face. I think. <laughs> I think it's a it's a great term because it's it's just it's just describes it perfectly. Uh, you see, here's the thing that I, here's why I'm conflicted a little bit. Because I, I think it was Barack Obama who was really more of a scowler than Michelle. She seemed a little happier to me. I remember getting a lot of trouble from people when I uh, when I said she had nice arms. People all got all over me about that. She's Michelle Obama. She had nice arms. She goes, I don't, I don't know. She seemed to be in pretty good shape to me. You know. I, I mean, you know, I never thought of her as unattractive. But uh, she wouldn't like me. I know that for a fact. I'd be another. I'd be another one of those annoying white dudes to Michelle Obama. That is for sure. Although I have to tell you, though, when I was at U City High, the black chicks loved me. I don't know why, but they did. I think they liked my sense of humor. I ran for class president with a with a uh, with a black chick, Phyllis. We lost because people are racist. They didn't. I blamed it on they didn't vote for the black woman. I'm just kidding. But nonetheless, I did. I did run, and then uh, uh, another guy won, and then he didn't do anything. We would have been better class presidents, that's for sure. We'd have been we were we were the uh, ebony and ivory ticket. I don't know how Phil. I don't know why Phyllis liked me, but she did. So we yeah we ran for pre- class president together. I don't know whether it was senior yeah it was senior class or something. We lost. It was a crushing defeat. But uh, yeah we uh, we lost. We lost to a guy who was who just kind of like said it was like kind of like he was like kind of like a Trump candidate because he was like, screw this, I'm not gonna, I don't have any prepared speech for you and I, I don't I'm not you know let's just let's do away with all this you know pomp and circumstance and I'm your rebel guy and so he was voted in as class president and then didn't do anything like he didn't act like class president he became class president and then dropped the ball. Me and my black girlfriend, Phyllis, would have been much better class presidents together. Look at me, bitter, going back to high school. I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go back to the uh, class reunion and, and, uh, 
and stand on a stage and cover myself in blood. Like Carrie. This is what she did. What am I doing? Anyway, must be the Kings of Leon that's gotten into me here. So, uh, anyway, Michelle Obama is talking to the Good Morning America people. And she wants us to know how she was feeling during President Trump's 2017 inauguration. You want to take a couple of wild guesses how how old girl was feeling during the uh, Trump inauguration? Kind of, probably kind of the way GW is feeling, kind of the way Barbara was feeling, kind of the way Barack was feeling. Like, damn, we did everything. Kind of like the way Hillary was feeling, kind of like the way Bill was feeling. Like, damn, we did everything in our power to not allow this to happen, and here it is happening. And I was literally like 75 feet away from the president when he was giving his inauguration speech. I was with uh, Aiden, and it was uh, it was great. It was great to be up there in D.C. It was really cool. So anyway, Michelle Obama wants you to know that she's uh, she was not happy about what, what was going on of the two previous inaugurations was gone. Someone from Barack's administration might have said that the optics there were bad, that what the public saw didn't reflect the president's reality or ideals. But in this case, maybe it did. Realizing it. Why are you so... What is this? And, and then they had the... They had the... Uh, uh, this is her little video she put out, and this is Good Morning America that kind of shared it. But then they had that music underneath and everything else. It's kind of like uh, if you did, if you closed your eyes and just listened to the music, which is actually kind of what you're doing. But if you closed your eyes and just separated the music from it, you know, inaugurations was gone. Someone from Barack's administration might have said that the optics there were bad. Like normally when you hear music like that, it's like in a documentary and you're seeing Holocaust trains being boarded and 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 people arriving at concentration camps. That's the kind of the, the, that's the music that, that normally you you hear when you're seeing visuals like that. Or, or when you're seeing like uh, the 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 when you're seeing the casket of John Kennedy being carriaged down Pennsylvania Avenue, that's when you hear. That's what you normally hear, like music associated with that. Rarely do you hear it when when it when it's when it's some former first lady describing an inauguration. You, you'd think this was some kind of uh, funeral procession music you're hearing. Whatever. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. This is like dirgy, sad music because and, – and why do you need it, by the way? I mean, oftentimes, you know, it's kind of like when we see commercials and things like that and they have the little 
funny little piano music playing and that kind of stuff and blah 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 and and, and then it's it's designed to set a mood and everything else. And I kind of I kind of like that. I understand. I get it. Sometimes the music's too loud, you know, and they, whatever. But uh, and, and then sometimes it's not necessary unless you really want to. Like in a commercial, I could understand that. But if you're if if it's a point of view that you have, and you're putting music behind it, to me, it's your attempt to bolster your point of view because you know that your point of view that you have isn't really solid. So when Michelle Obama is pissing and moaning about the inauguration of Donald Trump, she knows that it, it, it is probably really pretty low of her to kind of be doing this anyway. But the music adds a certain level of uh, depression to her comments, too, because she needs that to be able to promote her weird, sad view of the inauguration. Actually, uh, listening to this only makes me happier which is kind of twisted but it only it, it's doing it, it's having the opposite effect on on me it's making me happier not sadder it's kind of like when i would see during the campaign you know hillary clinton's uh commercials and and and, and they were and they were supposed to be for uh hillary clinton and uh and so uh yeah it was one of those things where uh we uh i'd see the commercials and uh and and, and i and 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 they'd be like Donald Trump's going to do this and Donald Trump's going to do that and then he's going to do this and then he's going to do that and he's going to do this and that i'm like that all sounds really awesome. Vote for Hillary. It's like, oh, I thought I thought this was a I thought this was a commercial for Donald Trump. Donald Trump. He's a this, and the other day he said that, and then he said this, and listen to what he said then, and now listen to what he's saying here. Listen to what he's saying over there, and I think to myself, those all sound really amazing and beautiful. I love that. Vote for Hillary Clinton. It's like, no. You just basically told me to vote for Donald Trump. So I'm looking at your uh, your your things. You just told me to vote for him. Oh, well, that was a commercial for you? Sorry, didn't get it. Anyway, this is this is to me a celebration of the inauguration of Donald Trump. In previous inaugurations was gone. Someone from Barack's administration might have said that the optics there were bad, that what the public saw didn't reflect the president's reality or ideals. But in this case, maybe it did. Realizing it, I made my own optic adjustment. I stopped even trying to smile. People want to hear more from you about what's currently going on. Mm -hmm. And there is a fine line that you and your husband, mm -hmm. as previous administrations have done, yeah. is that you have to step back and mm -hmm. let the current one do what it's doing. But I think it's safe to say that during your husband's presidency, 
it was no drama Obama. Mm -hmm. No drama Obama. Mm -hmm. So what goes through your mind when you read? No drama Obama? Who, who, who in the hell do they think they're kidding? I mean, everything about Obama was drama. What are they talking about? Let me go back and see. I wasn't listening. Sorry. Here, go ahead. Line that you and your husband, mm -hmm. as previous administrations have done, yeah. is that you have to step back and mm -hmm. let the current one do what it's doing. But I think it's safe to say that during your husband's presidency, it was no drama Obama. Mm -hmm. No drama Obama. Mm -hmm. So that's that's comp where did that come from? That it was no drama Obama. I mean, it, it, it was it was constant drama. I mean, I, I mean, as, as far as I was concerned, I mean, everything, everything was turned into some kind of racial problem. Every police shooting, every this, every that. We're talking about no drama Obama. Anyway. I'm interested to find out. What goes through your mind when you read and hear all that's going on right now with this administration? I said what I continue to say. Being the commander-in-chief is a hard job, and you need to have discipline, and you need to read, and you need to be knowledgeable. You need to know history. You oh, yeah, I see. So now the thing is that, that President Trump doesn't read. The, the left always loves to do this thing about how uh, how how they don't, the conservatives don't read or Republicans don't read. I remember when GW was president. Uh, and by the way, they said the same thing about GW, that he doesn't read. He's not curious. Remember that whole thing? They always get all over President uh, Bush because he wasn't, they didn't think he was curious enough. Remember all that? Yeah, President uh, uh, George W. Bush's main problem is he just doesn't seem to be very curious. It's like, what does that mean? Like, for instance, I'll give you an example of where the left doesn't read. How about how about based on the, their reactions to Melania Trump and her uh, views that she's putting forth about certain people within President Trump's inner circle. Now, keep in mind, it's rare that a first lady calls for the removal of somebody, but it's not rare for a first lady to speak her mind. And I'm sure that Michelle Obama did at her time, maybe even privately so, but Melania Trump's doing it publicly. But 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 I'm sure that there's a certain element there where... Uh, where first ladies have even, at least in the background, talked about the futures of other people. But maybe it's rare, but it's not unusual in itself for a first lady to have uh, differences of opinions and, and to exert a certain level of authority in the White House. I mean, all the news people have to do is read. And they could read about Abigail Adams. They could read about Eleanor Roosevelt. They could read about Hillary Clinton. They could read about Nancy Reagan. But they apparently don't read history or, or they simply ignore it when it when it befits them. But but I love how she's like, yeah, they read you need to read and insinuating that, that President Trump doesn't read. Mm.
Chief is a hard job and you need to have discipline and you need to read and you need to be knowledgeable, you need to know history, you need to be careful with your words, but voters make those decisions. Okay. So uh, they haven't immediately hasn't read history when it comes to um, when it comes to what first ladies have done. Uh, and and certainly they, they don't know history with some of their policies. Uh, you know, the the even Obamacare itself, if you looked at the history of governments trying to manufacture certain programs, they don't always work out very well. Social Security is a great example of that. And then uh, choosing your words carefully. So I, I hearken back to the um, to the day when Barack Obama went out there uh, after some incident revolving one of his professor friends. You remember that? And he called the police stupid. Remember that? Just I'll just automatically blame the police for something, and, and called them stupid. wasn't a wasn't a uh, great choice of words. There were numerous occasions where uh, Barack Obama didn't uh, use the choice of words very well how about how about when he called the uh which one was it the uh was it it wasn't the peace corps something else but he called it the corpse yeah it's uh, it's the it's the 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 marine corpse i was like no it's core it's corpse it's core now it's corpse it's like you know, and that that's not really a choice of uh, a great choice of words. And actually, had Barack Obama read, oh, say a dictionary, and nowadays the dictionaries have pronouncers on them, you'd know it was core, not corpse. Can't remember what, which which corp corpse it was. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the it's the International Association of Peace Corps. It's like no, it's not. It's core. I'm sorry, Michelle. I'm he must have just uh, misread the pronunciation of core because he called it corpse. And and you need to read and you need to be knowledgeable. You need to know history. You need to be careful with your words. But voters make those decisions, and once the voters have spoken, yeah, those those. Those annoying voters. You know, those voters, they make those decisions. And, well, you know, sometimes you just got to live with it. And I was like, yeah, Michelle, you think? You know, those voters, boy, you give people a ballot and it's suddenly out of your hands. It's like, yeah, that's kind of the way the founding fathers constructed the United States of America. I mean, this isn't the Sudan. This is the United States of America. Well, you know, the people vote, and suddenly you just can't really control what happens. It's like, yeah. Isn't that beautiful? How how voters uh, dictate things? And actually, isn't it even more amazing that that the majority of voters... When they vote, if the majority votes a certain way, they still don't really win because we're a representative republic. Isn't that great? I read that somewhere, Michelle, about the representative republic. I'm guessing, let's see, there's 45 seconds left here. 
And I'm wondering whether she's going to use the term democracy. I don't know. I haven't previewed the the actual video. It just kind of came my way. So I'm just hearing it for the first time. Those voters, I'll tell you, they really just tend to. With your words, but you know. voters make those decisions. And once the voters have spoken, you know, we live with what we live with. Yeah, we do. You're right. Boy, how, how long did it take you to figure that out? That whole concept out. You must have read so many volumes of, uh, of material to come to that conclusion that once voters make their decision, we have to live with what the voters decide. What, I mean, I've I got to tell you, it took me my whole life up until now to figure that out, Michelle. So you must be quite the intellect. That IQ is just must be screaming high for you to come to this major, amazing conclusion. And then the visual after she says that, you should see the visual after she says just what she just said. Here, I'll play it for you again. Voters make those decisions, and once the voters have spoken, you know, we live with what we live with. So... (laughs) I, I got to tell you, I, I'm trying hard not to be just so derisive about her and her statement. I've never actually been one to uh, attack first ladies anyway. So even when Obama was president, I really didn't go after Michelle. I mean, I teased a little bit about her, you know, carrots for school lunch program and all that kind of thing. I, I, I teased her a little bit about that, but but. There's a visual of her right after she says that, and she's in this interview with uh, Deborah Roberts or whatever this woman's name is, and she's in this interview, and right after she says the voters' decision what we live with, they go to a dark black and white photo of her looking down somewhere with her eyes closed or looking down. If she's looking down, she's looking at a slaughtered puppy apparently, because she's got that sad look on her face. But she's looking down, like, and the insinuation, of course, is, you know, yeah, the voters vote, and that's what we have to live with. So sad. It's like, wow. That's mighty American of you. But, yeah, there's a visual of her just very sad. Voters make those decisions, and once the voters have spoken, you know, we live with what we live with. In her book, she writes, Our presence in the White House had been celebrated by millions of Americans, but it also contributed to a reactionary sense of fear and resentment, among others. The hatred was old and deep. In other words, you're all a bunch of racists because... You didn't appreciate the amazing quality and nature of the Obama family and the Obama presidency. You didn't you didn't appreciate that because you're all racist and you would prefer to have black people in chains. That's what Michelle Obama is saying, is, is that your your issues with Barack Obama could not have been policy 
oriented, could not have been against any agenda that he already telegraphed that he was going to be imposing, which would be one that would kill jobs, that would put America basically, well, if not last, and let's just say fifth. Put America fifth. Make America fifth again. That's what that's that's what he would do. He'd go over there. He'd go over there to Europe and talk us down. And, I'm sorry. On behalf of all Americans, I'm sorry for everything. It's like no, don't say that. You're in Europe. You're in. Why are you saying you're sorry in Europe? You've got we've got graves of Americans that you're you know three miles away from. What are you telling the Europe you're sorry about? I'm sorry, Europe, for everything we've done. You mean like uh, free you? That's why that Macron thing drives me crazy. Talking about, you know, I, I I understand the French and the Germans all kind of have a they they the culturally they shy. I'm going off the. I'm I'm, I'm just going to go here. And I'll come back. Don't worry. They the uh, culturally Germany and France have an issue with. What, what they look at as, as nationalism because they kind of suffered under the uh, under a level of fascism and, and they kind of confuse fascism they confuse nationalism with fascism so so uh when when Hitler was pro Germany for instance, he was putting to death six million Jews and that wasn't a good look for Germany. Let's put it that way. And and in 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 France, you you had a different kind of formulation, but they also suffered a great deal under not only Nazi Germany but under their own nationalistic forces at the time. Uh, and 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 France had an issue with that too. And so. And they were pussies too. To tell you the truth, I, mean, I know some of the women hated when I use that word. I'm mean, pansies, I should say. I mean, they they let Germany walk all over, and if it weren't for us, they they'd be another suburb of Germany. So, I mean, there's a big joke about the French Book of War Heroes is one like one page long. So I don't know what Macron's talking about in terms of uh, nationalism and and patriotism and all this kind of stuff. I realize culturally they have a problem with that, which is kind of why they allow themselves still to be run overrun by radical Muslims and they open their borders to anybody who comes from North Africa and whatever because they're afraid of being seen as uh, putting their country first because the last time that happened – they were killing people or they were being overrun by people. And I and I get that sensitivity, but it doesn't apply to President Trump putting America first. President Trump isn't hurting anybody by putting America first. I mean, he's hurting, obviously, the pocketbooks of the treasuries of these countries because they have to spend more money on their own stuff. But that's but that's not that's not injuring somebody. You know, if if President Trump was saying, "Hey, uh, put America first and let's go invade Poland," that would be a problem. But President Trump's only talking about putting America first. There's there's no problem with that. And I heard uh, 
Bennett uh, the other day on one of the shows. And uh it, it, and 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 it wasn't and he said it wasn't it wasn't I pledge allegiance to the flag of the continent of North America. I pledge allegiance to the flag of everybody in the world. It's not it's not that's not what the pledge of allegiance is. It's I pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. It's pretty nationalistic. I mean, you know, it's pretty nationalistic. It's kind of steeped in our in our bones. I mean, Europeans, they're, they're, they actually gave up on any semblance of nationalism when they came up with the euro. I mean, I, when I was over in Italy, one of the one of the most depressing parts uh, of of the of modern day for a lot of Italians who are very nationalistic and rightly so. Even though obviously they had issues themselves with Mussolini, but Mussolini, keep in mind, was nationalistic. It didn't always really work out too well because Mussolini was so nationalistic. He decided he was going to uh, erase any semblance of uh, the Roman Empire and everything else. He was going to, you know, bulldoze ruins because he wanted to, you know, build roads and things like that over ruins and so he was he was a little overly nationalistic let's put it that way but his nationalism for some of the young people there I thought I was in a cab with a guy who couldn't have been more than 30 who praised Mussolini he said that's why he's why we have these roads here he's why we have schools he was why we have this so there were some things they liked about him but Mussolini was also uh had short man syndrome and uh and and didn't really necessarily uh, decide he was going to bunk in with Hitler. And that was a pretty bad decision that Mussolini made because he wound up hanging upside down from a lamppost with his girlfriend or whoever she was. So that didn't really work out very well for him. But 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 he was... He was uh, uh, but that, that's so, so. So I don't understand this this criticism of President Trump when he talks about nationalism, especially by Europeans. But I understand why they're why they where why nationalism have a, nationalism has a certain connotation. But they could they could stand to be a, a little more nationalistic. They wouldn't have like in Germany, the German women would be able to actually wear bikinis to swimming pools. If the Germans were a little more nationalistic, because the fact that they've been overrun by a bunch of gropey, handsy, rapey North Africans now means they can't do things they normally used to do because they'll be groped and raped. Half of they can't even celebrate uh, New Year's Eve without 15 of them being raped by a bunch of migrants that came over from heaven knows where. And if, and if Germany would be a little more nationalistic and maybe uh, secure their borders a little more, maybe that that would have helped them. But now to be a German in a bikini makes you a potential sexual assault victim. But that's ignored. All that stuff over there. Let's just make up sexual assault stories against the Supreme Court nominee who happens to be Republican. Let's do that. They don't really care about that kind of stuff. Anyway, 
back to the Obamas. So we uh, certainly, when we had policy issues with, with President Obama and, and, and his put America fifth agenda, we had problems with that. We had problems with the fact that he promised uh, that our electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket. Thank you very much. Because of his uh, green policy, when we knew that he was going to ha- join in with other countries to plot against the American worker in the uh, environmental treaties and things like that. And we knew he was also squishy when it came to uh, protecting our borders, even though obviously he wound up deporting a lot more people than, and, and, we, and I always applauded him for that. But, but, and, and Obamacare, which was socialism. So we had problems with that. And, 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 and it, it didn't, didn't matter whether uh, President Obama was black. That had nothing to do with it. And there and and there was no resentment. It was, you know, <clears throat> it was it was like okay, great. It's I'm glad we have our first black president. That's awesome. But that doesn't mean just because we have our first black president that he could do whatever the hell he wants to do. We had a guy who was talking about having his pen, my pen, and my phone. It's like no, that's not how things should be operating. I mean, he abused the executive order. I mean, it was one thing, it's one thing to notice the president does have the executive order, but he abused it and then bragged about it. And it wasn't just because he was black, but Michelle Obama has this idea somehow that the, the election of uh, – I mean, here's what's so funny is, is that when – even after they were elected, even after we had the first black president elected, Michelle Obama still wasn't happy. I mean, you you think that this would this would be a a, a a moment of elation for for her? Instead, looking back on it, how could you possibly darken a moment like this for your family? Because a few people didn't agree with the president's policies. I mean, he was elected to two terms. The hell's your problem? And, and believe me. Uh, with the population of the United States being uh, 11% black or 12% or whatever, I don't know the exact figure, you have to imagine that there are a hell of a lot of white people who voted for Barack Obama. But I, I, So are you saying that the white people who didn't vote for him then are racist or didn't vote for him because he's black or whatever, because to, to just to, to try to turn the election of Barack Obama around into some kind of mirror on racism in America. I mean, you, you gotta really have nothing better to do. I mean, Michelle, you need to try my CBD oil or something. Or have a have a cocktail or something for crying out loud. Because how you can after eight years of being first lady and the election of the first black president twice, I think you'd be a little happier about the way things are going. And and just because now there's a president in 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 uh, in power 
who is rolling back your your husband's brilliant initiatives. If that's your problem, why is it because Trump is white? No, of course not. I'm not. I'm you know I would I wouldn't go there the way these people go go there. It's unbelievable. Listening to this, and, and by the way. The, the 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 tone of the the video, like when they're doing the video, and she sh- and she's showing her. First of all, the the video starts with after her ta- comment about how much of a bummer it appears to be to her that voters have the final say. You know, those voters they have the final say. It's yeah, it's like yep. Welcome to America. But anyway, then then the video is all like uh, sepia toned and everything else. Of the first family, and it's like, why? I mean, it's it. There were to, to as, as far as I saw, people were really happy that President Obama was elected. Some of them, at least, I wasn't. But you know, everything is kind of done in this vignette form, like this, this, this kind of like this weird, haunty, dreamy, negativey little kind of view. It's like, honey, this is your husband. You were elected. Why am I why am I lecturing her? Had been celebrated by millions of Americans, but it also contributed to a reactionary sense of fear and resentment. No, we just couldn't stand your husband's political philosophy and his policies. It had nothing to do with him being black. And it and it might have had something to do with him being black, according to some people. I mean, there there might have been some people who didn't like him because he was black, but uh, the idea that 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 people who disagreed with him on policy matters were acting out of fear and resentment is completely unfair and unfounded. Among others, the hatred was old and deep. Yeah. So again, the hatred was old and deep. So she's just basically, you know, acting as if we're all conjuring. You know, slave-holding ancestral forefathers. When we when we uh, when we see Obama, it's like no. We just disagree with the way he handles really important issues that are to us. As dangerous as ever. There's some people that feel that the seed of discontent that led to Donald Trump being elected president, that the seed of that discontent happened during your husband's presidency. It did. So what's wrong with that? I mean, this, the seed of discontent that led to Obama's presidency began during the Bush years. That's how electoral politics work. You have people who see a pendulum swinging one way, and they want the pendulum to swing back the other way. It's very simple. This is the United States of America. And the fact that Michelle Obama and What's-Her-Face are suddenly discovering something that has been a pattern in American politics for 230-plus years is really weird to me. And, 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 I, and it's because they are trying to turn this into a President Trump was elected president because Americans are all racist and they hated Barack Obama because he was black and so they elected President Trump. It's like, no, uh, but there are just as many people who elected President Trump 
who weren't fans of the Republican Party, too, and were tired of the, of the Republican uh, Party being wishy-washy and throwing Americans under the bus and not doing anything except just simply existing and fundraising and getting elected again in some degrees. Uh, but that's all they were focused on. They weren't seemingly focused on the, the re-energizing America, re-energizing the workforce, increasing our economy, everything else. So I, I, this is confounding to me. And I'm sure there are people out there who might say, yeah, but Jamie, you just don't understand. Oh, okay. I get it. I just don't understand. You don't understand what it's like to be black in America. Oh, right. Okay. So apparently the twice-elected first U.S. black president, that all wasn't seemingly good enough. Now Now this idea that we have a new president... Because of the of certain discontent, not just with Obama but also with the Republicans, is apparently intolerable. Nah, if only you know that annoying Constitution didn't prevent uh, Obama from running again. So really, really, what this is is it's it's a two time winner, Michelle Obama, who sounds like the biggest sore loser on the planet next to, uh, I guess. Uh, just behind Hillary Clinton. It's amazing. This is two minutes of, of incredulous conversation, but tells you everything you need to know. Wow. Trump being elected president, that the seed of that discontent happened during your husband's presidency. I would like to indulge the question, but it requires a level of speculation about how people are feeling and thinking that I don't have. And I think that we're going to have to figure that out as a nation. No, we're not. We've already figured it out as a nation, honey pie. And, and, and we elected President Trump. And, and you know what? We're going to continue to figure it out as a nation. When we go back in 2020 and give... President Trump a second term. This, by the way, this last part here is amazing to me because it's so it's so meaningless. It's it's it. it there's no content here. There's a there's a there's a. I forgot her name was doing this interview. There's this Good Morning America chick, America chick asking a, a very obvious question because the seeds of discontent were planted during your husband's presidency. Yes. And again, as I point out, just like the seeds of discontent um, were planted in GW's presidency, and that's why Obama was elected president in large part, because people wanted, to, wanted a, a course reversal. They wanted a, a, another pendulum swing. And then, of course, after eight years of Obama, they wanted another pendulum swing. And they, and they got it in the formulation of President Trump. I don't know what, the, what these people are so ass-hurt about here. And, of course, Michelle Obama is acting like, well, this would require a level of speculation. What does that mean? 
It, you know what it means is that she thinks everybody is racist and just wanted to get rid of Obama and and had their fill of the black man and decided to elect Donald Trump. And 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 that's what that's what she's dog whistling there. Nothing more. She's she's basically insinuating somehow that that uh that everybody who voted for Donald Trump is racist because they didn't like eight years of Obama, who they, they put into office, by the way. doesn't make any sense. This video is unbelievable. Those voters, you know, they really, they really get in the way, don't they, Michelle? Of discontent that led to Donald Trump being elected president, that the seed of that discontent happened during your husband's presidency, like it has happened in every other presidency in history. People don't like what a president's doing, and they go back and elect another president who might even have the exact opposite views. So I'm watching these two simpletons here trying to put a square peg in a round hole and declare America as racist because, I mean, after, let me get this straight. America is racist after electing the first black president and then reelecting him to a second term and then electing Donald Trump. Okay. I'm trying to follow this, but I can't. I would like to indulge the question, but it requires a level of speculation about how people are feeling. And, and it would make you look like a fool, which as if the, the first one minute and 57 seconds of this didn't actually lay that out very plainly about your foolery okay. but yeah that i don't have and i think that we're going to have to figure that out as a nation yeah well we'll figure it out and we'll figure out again when 2020 rolls around and uh you're gonna look down in a black and white photograph again on january 17th of 2020 or would it be 2021 at that point? Yes, it'd be 2021. And it'll be just as bad for you then as it is now. But this whole videotape is basically a funeral for the Obama presidency and with his dirgy music and everything else. And they act like the inauguration of President Trump and the election of President Trump was some kind of atom bomb that was dropped on the United States of America. And and that's actually because Michelle Obama doesn't understand. I, I think she does, but she thinks it's kind of a weird thing. You know, the voters, they vote and they come up with this stuff. And but you got to sometimes just, you know, take it for, for what it is. The voters just kind of decide, Obama. you know. Mm -hmm. No drama, Obama. Mm -hmm. So what goes through your mind when you read and hear all that's going on right now with this administration? I said what I continue to say. Being the commander-in-chief is a hard job, and you need to have discipline, and you need to read, and you need to be knowledgeable, you need to know history, you need to be careful with your words. But voters make those decisions, and once the voters have spoken, you know, we live with what we live with. Yeah, we do. That's right. And again, as I pointed out, as much as she says that people need to read and people need to do this, people do this, all you kind of have to do is read a little bit about the Constitution, read a little bit about the Founding Fathers, read a little bit of America. And you know, Michelle, yep, it's a pain in the ass, but voters ultimately do make decisions that ultimately, you know what, you got to live with. That's kind of how it works. And I'm not quite sure what, what alternative uh, you might uh, be considering. Uh, other than 
this idea that voters and what's funny about this video and you'll have to I'll have to I'll I'll put a link to it. Doug Giles has a has a piece on it or Wes Walker does have a, has a piece on it. Uh and they uh the, the the video right after she talks about the voters is her looking down in in a black and white photo as if she's looking down at, you know, a whole basket of slaughtered puppies. So depressing for her, that is. I'll put the link up there. You got to see the video. And they and they uh they have the they added the music and everything there. It's interesting. I always thought I always thought Michelle was the happier one of the bunch, but uh she seemed to have it she seemed to have it all together and, and a lot of things just kind of rolled off her back. But boy, she does not uh she doesn't seem very happy now. Uh, sorry about that. And her new book. I think I'm, I'm I think I'm gonna try to uh trick her into coming on with me about her book. She'll probably she'll all she'll do is Google my name and she won't go anywhere near me. It's okay though. Here, let me get this up here for you guys in the in the comment section. You can see the video for yourself. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm having trouble here. I'm having trouble in the video room. Yeah, we had trouble earlier, but uh Matt was able to squeeze us out of it and uh get it together. Here you go, folks. Let me just put it in here. Put it right there. And uh put it right there. Put it right there. Okay. <laughs> Actually, the, the 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 headline on it is good too. It says, "Watch Michelle Obama's take on Trump swearing in." It's why we're glad she's gone. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is. I never really had a whole lot of uh, angst towards uh, towards her, but it's uh, pretty crazy. All right. Yeah. Let me see here. Um. Tomorrow, I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get old uh, Eric Schmidt on the line with us. He, of course, as I told you, and you you uh, you heard it first here that Eric Schmidt was appointed as the U.S. Attorney General now, and that kind of sets him up pretty well for a possible run for governor in 2020. If, in fact, it turns out that Governor Parson doesn't want to be uh, doesn't want to be the guy. I did talk to Brenda Talent. Uh, just by text, at least, and 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 because there were rumors flying around that she would be appointed the state treasurer, because that's what Eric Schmidt is now, and, or was, and uh, she says it's not true. She's with the show me is that. And she's executive director there and is good at what she does there. But she says the rumors are not true. Keep you posted on that. I, I, I might be missing something. I haven't seen anything on who's uh, taking his place there. Tomorrow we're going to endeavor to get Genevieve Wood back on the show. She's been very busy lately, and then we've had we've been busy, so... We'll get her back on eventually, uh, hopefully tomorrow. So, folks, thank you. Make sure you consider stopping by Santino's 
as we get into the nice, cozy holidays. Wow, almost 90 different kinds of ways for you to enjoy. Okay, I'll say 100 different ways for you to enjoy the awesomeness of Santino's. More than 84 craft beers. 250 rare and premium spirits. You can find stuff you just cannot find at the store or even your favorite liquor store at Santino's. 15, 20 minutes from everywhere. 170 different cigar facings for you and a beautiful place to hang out. Great vibe there. Jennifer, the bartender there is one of my favorites. Thank you also to Michael Proctor. Proctor spelled like Dr. Proctor Drapery since 1974. Michael started when he was 23 years old. Still the best in the business. Competes with all the big guys. I'm talking about the expensive ones that and he's not expensive. He's your interior designer. He's your guy. He'll take care of business for you and get it going on. For window fashions. Also, thank you to Matthew Mitchell, the Matthew Mitchell All State Agency, 855-QUOTE-ME. Don't forget about Golden Oak Lending, too. These have been great guys, and they've been really super, super good to me. What would you do with money if you didn't have to pay your house payment for two months? How about around the holidays? No house payments, two months when you refi with Golden Oak Lending. 314-567-GOLD, goldenoaklending.com. Rates now in the threes. Not complicated at all. You give them a call, 314-567-GOLD. You get a mortgage checkup, and you get a free appraisal when you mention Radio Free Almond. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.